0: These may be challenging times, but have hope and listen to the untold health stories about incredible people who have committed their lives to better their communities. Diverse health activists, direct medical providers, community organizers that are helping our communities to get healthier and stronger. Stories of local heroes during the pandemic and even before that proves over and over again that people can come together during times of need and make the world a better place. Stories you would never hear of except at Healthcare Untold, hosted by Barbara Ann Garcia. Our guest today is Charles Gellman, the CEO of Heidel Health. Charles, welcome to Healthcare Untold.
1: Barbara, it's fantastic to be here for the second time.
0: That's right. We had a little technical issue there. But hey, you know, we really want to hear about your company, Heidel Health, and then we really want to get into the artificial intelligence and the impact on health for the future. So take it away, Charles.
1: Okay, well, thank you so much. I'm very excited to be on the show today. Um, What your listeners are going to hear is really about the future of care and how AI-assisted robotics is going to alter health outcomes and improve their health and wellness. So to rewind a little bit, my background is really in data science. Um, I went to UC Davis Medical School and studied clinical informatics. So um, backwards and forwards, um, my research is really focused around health outcomes. And I've traveled far and wide to many hospitals across the country, um, stayed in hotels, trains, you know, planes, automobiles, and really spent quite a bit of time face-to-face, interacting with the different people and the different systems that have a lot of um, input into how we're doing and what they're doing in order to impact care.
0: It is uh, really important, particularly, as you talked about, across the country, we have very levels, different levels of uh, acuity, different levels of even um, you know really improvements that are going on, particularly in rural areas where they don't have as much care in, as in other parts of the country.
1: And as you mentioned, you know, you, you speak a little bit about health equity. Health equity is really based upon socioeconomic income, location, age, gender, race, and different types of disparities based upon chronic diseases and access to care. And what's interesting about AI-assisted robotics and HIDO and other type of like devices that support health equity and a standard, no matter where you live, no matter what your educational level there, it brings a standard level playing field for all. Um, so when we start thinking about equal access for everybody, these are the types of technologies that can going to have impact on many millions of people in the future.
0: Well, tell us a, a couple of those technologies that you're seeing.
1: Yeah. So right now, um, you know, AI is very popular in the news and you're hearing about, you know, different software applications for people to utilize, but the AI robotics that I'm speaking about are really the ones that live in your home. So you've probably seen some thermostats, you've seen some cameras, um, you know, at most folks are, are familiar with a microwave and a refrigerator, but what I'm talking about is automating medication dispensing at home to ensure people have disease regression or stabilization. And that can only happen if you can monitor the behaviors of those type of medication intake. So let me give you an example. If somebody has cardiovascular disease, maybe is a few pounds overweight and has diabetes, those medications are prescribed to you by either your nurse or your physician and any deviation in your regimen or your patient or your medication intake is going to be reflected in your blood work. And finally, with hospitalizations or ER visits that may be unnecessary. So these AI-assisted robotics have the opportunity to alter behavior, and that alteration in behavior has significant impacts in patient outcomes or people's well-being and health.
0: Yeah, you know, I have a brother with Parkinson's, and I spent three days with him to kind of figure out what was going on with his medications. And we had to do that manual uh, med set. And I left there still kind of anticipating was uh, was the supervision of his medications going to continue in that way. And I looked at your machine there, and it seems like it really provides that kind of directive for people. But how does it change behavior?
1: Great question. So think about the Hydro device, which stands for health information data outcomes. It's an assisted robotic device for the person to depend on versus a caregiver. So let's, let's take your example with your brother and Parkinson's, right? So you have to physically go there in person and help assist. So instead of that happening, imagine a device sitting in the home and your brother going up to the unit it unlocks with face id or if he has the motor skills he can put in his passcode then he'll dispense the medications according to how his provider nurse or physician wants him to take it dispenses for him so he doesn't have to open up a cup because maybe he, he doesn't have those motor skills mm-hmm. and then he can jostle them in his mouth and we have a, a recording So we verify and validate that he's taking the medications according to the frequency, the time, the dosage, and we even track the count. So we know when he's going to run out and when he needs a new bottle.
0: That is so cool. And, you know, I really think that um, how do we, what are the questions I have for you is how do we make that in an equitable way? Because I'm sure your device is, I mean, we all have to find sponsors for the kinds of things that we create so that it becomes, you know, a paid Um, could be paid through Medicare or through Medi-Cal. Is that kind of how you're looking at that?
1: Yeah, so this is um, the way that folks get their hands on this particular device is really comes down to um, health plans trying to divert some of the cost of care. So right now major health plans are paying for unnecessary hospitalizations and ER visits and they're already paying for the medications. Now copays may change accordingly, you know, depending on your plan, but patients that get this device are paying nothing for the device. So when you start thinking about leveling the playing field, the playing field is this. You know, top 1% of patients utilize 39% of all healthcare expenditures. That's so it. let me repeat again. Yeah. 1% is spending 40% of the dollars. So if a health plan can potentially save a substantial amount of money by pushing out these devices to people in need already, that's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. So patients don't pay, health plans are able to decrease costs, and you reduce the the burden on the hospitals that don't have the capacity to service these recurring patients that are coming over and over and over again.
0: And it's not just health plans, because if you think about the in-home health support that people get, um, my, my brother's is paid by the state, that means that his caregiver can focus on other things. So that qualitative piece, just because they could spend the four hours filling his meds up, making sure he's taking his meds.
1: Well, in addition to that, you start thinking about the caregivers that are helping assist patients at home with assisted daily living Activities, you know, instead of them fumbling around with all the different medications, or maybe they don't have a bottle or things are missing or they're expired, they can focus on the person there. So, what do they need to improve their health and well being? You know, do they have a a clean living area? Do they have food in their pantry? You know, Mm -hmm. other elements where they can focus on the person, or maybe instead of doing this in lieu of, maybe they're just having a conversation and then you can actually get to. The well-being of that person, the happiness, because they have the ability to have those conversations, whereas they would be, you know, pushed focused. down a different direction and right. focused on medications, which exactly. you know it should have already yeah. been uh, taken care of prior to their arrival.
0: Well, I really love that idea, and uh, I saw you showed me some of the devices uh, before our podcast. Um, and so, without telling us some secret sauce, what did your what, what your where are you going? The next piece of this.
1: Yeah. So the. Hydo device. And we're, we're in discussions with some major health plans, and we've we've spoken with um, some other, you know, larger government institutions. and And our goal really is to impact care and to alter the way home care is looked at. Right now, people are focused within the confines of the hospital and the four walls of a clinic, and those are sterile environments. Yes. But the home is really an unknown dynamic that nobody's really categorized and created transparency accountability it's really been a black hole so what the heido device does and what we're trying to accomplish is really create transparency and accountability and clinical dashboards so we can intervene with folks that need it and the ones that are doing fine with the device they can be focused on other areas of their life and wellness and live it versus going down a lane where you're you're chasing medications and you're chasing the problems Um, our goal is to basically um, improve the lives of many people no matter age gender race or disease
0: so that data would be given, uh, sent to their provider, and they could see, hey, uh, he's not taking his medication correctly. We're going to have to figure that out. And there you go into an, an intervention to ensure that that medication is being taken well. I mean, and, you know, you think about these medications for so many of these diseases, they're doing pretty good in some of these cases Um, in terms of some of these spectrums like Parkinson's. I can just see uh, the medication and its impact on my brother's movement. Um, And so and I saw when he wasn't taking it and the impact. And in fact, he was hospitalized from a fall. And so I can see that this is a, an incredible uh, new direction for us. And one, like you said, is going to save millions of dollars, billions of dollars, and that we can really get into that care model, which is at home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you think about it, you know, physicians and nurses wouldn't it be categorically looking at these videos in the back end, it'd really be a population health team or a group mm-hmm. of case managers that can look through the entire population. And then if needed, a uh, doctor or nurse could be notified if a patient was deviating off of medications that were mission critical, that would lead to your point to a hospitalization or unnecessary emergency room visit. And that's good for everybody because now you have care going to the ones that actually need it Versus just trying to blanket everybody, because we don't have the type of labor that we used to have to provide that level of care. And even from a caregiver perspective, we're going to have an ongoing shortage of folks being able to even go to the home. So you need to really pinpoint and isolate where people need to spend their time and energy based upon the needs of that population.
0: And we have an aging community, so that population is just going to grow for need. And so uh, your device and many others that I'm sure are going to come in the future are going to be incredibly effective for people
1: and their care. Yeah, every day, 10,000 people, 65 years of age, every single day, 10,000 new ones that have just turned 65. So there is a significant (laughs) aging community that's just in the United States not throughout the world. So you start yeah. thinking about that population. And then each year, over 6 billion prescriptions are filled in the United States alone.
0: Wow, well, well, well. Well, what are you most excited about? I know you're excited about what you're, what you're doing, but it, what's outside of your sphere that, that you really want to get your hands on in terms of care?
1: Yeah, I think the ultimate glo- goal is to create a blueprint for health. So in theory, it sounds simple because, you know, we're a pretty sophisticated society, but in reality, healthcare technology is a bit archaic, you know, people are still using fax machines and that's the reality of the situation. Um, so now if you, you peel it back, the way to create a blueprint of health is really, there's a couple of basic steps. There's, there's two major lifestyle um, intakes. These are primary inputs. So you have food and nutrition, and then secondarily, you have exercise and movement. And if people have challenges with those first two, and they don't, and and typically disease to a chronic disease state, and then that means that they're on some type of medication protocols. So if you have, if you struggle with one and two, which is diet and exercise, then you usually are on a series of medications. But if you struggle with the first two, generally you struggle with the third one also. And that's why we have this revolving door. So let's you know, take the example of your brother that has Parkinson's. So he may have issues with mobility. He may have issues having access to a particular type of food. So now he's on a series of medications to deal with his debilitating disease. And he's probably having complications even trying to get to the right medications or make sure that he even has access to those. And he's able to take them on a regimen, especially with Parkinson's. A disease. When you have these specific medications, many of them are not just taken once a day or twice a day, but they might be taken six times a day or nine times a day. And if they don't take them, then they're they're rendered motionless. Right. And that is very very serious and traumatic, not just on the patient but also the family members. So you have an entire ecosystem of people that are being impacted based upon not knowing the blueprint of medicine and i believe that by knowing the different cocktails and medications mirroring them up with the blood work which is your secondary endpoints and then finally pairing them with your hospitalizations readmissions er visits and final outcomes, you build an ecosystem, a life cycle, and you can now select for the first time when it comes to precision medicine, which drugs are most effective for which patients based upon location, based upon geography, based upon age, gender, race, chronic disease state. And then you can finally treat people with precision medicine versus right now, which is empiric treatment, which is based upon the clinicians where they went to medical school, what's their medical experience and their patient population they serve. They do the best they can to treat you empirically, which is their recommendation for medications. And then it's a bunch of variability throughout the country is what we see
0: well, I call it ruling out, right, ruling it out for that. And then somebody doesn't do well with that medication, they rule you in with another medication. So this precision medicine will really, really, really impact us. I saw that you had on LinkedIn the other day, you talked about not only was it precision medicine, but as mind, body and spirit, which, you know, I think we forget how powerful, um, you know, our spirituality, our thoughts on our own body, and really having that kind of perspective of health um, does have an impact on us from a health perspective. And so I really like that part of that blueprint. Um, You also had the power of genetics insights.
1: So now, you know, you have to think about this in the future. Think about a wide proliferation of HIDO devices residing in the home. So now you have a representation of all these diverse populations and you can isolate now with those populations and locations, the types of medications that they're getting, those types of secondary outcomes to their blood work, and those final outcomes. And you can determine what those best solutions could be for those types of groups. But right now, most of the clinical studies that go on and most of the type of data that we're receiving is really um, skewed to you know a specific type of group that they can recruit for studies so they're not a great representation of everybody so we can really get down to the nitty-gritty when you start talking about precision medicine and genetics to what would be most effective from a clinical standpoint by having the units out there and collecting that data so we can service people differently
0: Yeah, that's really going to be an important part, because as you say, you know, I worked a little bit on clinical studies and, you know, it's like if you don't have a certain population within that clinical study, you really don't know the impact of that medication.
1: Yeah, and, you know, we all have, you know, two arms and two legs and we do the best we can with the data we have. And you you can make some assumptions based upon, you know, clinical study efficacy and safety. But to your point, if you want to have a broad representation, you need to have a representation of those particular type of um, audiences that will be taking those medications.
0: That's right. Well, you know, this is so exciting and uh, we're so proud of the work that you're doing. Any last comments for us and our listening audience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would I would ask your audience, you know, if you want to know more about Hido, please go to our website at hidohealth.com and you know shoot us a note. We have a, a newsletter on LinkedIn, the Future of Care, which you're you're more than happy to subscribe to. Um, but if you have any questions about what we're doing or you want to learn a little bit more about the testimonials and the people that we're impacting on the YouTube site, just go to Hido and you'll be able to see a number of different stories ranging from stroke to dementia to cancer uh, to a variety of other different chronic conditions. And you can hear a little bit more about other folks that have utilized this device.
0: Yeah, it was really exciting. I did listen to some of the testimonials and I've been looking at your newsletters. It's a really intriguing, and I, you know, I really have a lot of hope for the future in terms of healthcare and what we can do from people like yourself, Charles German, CEO of Heidel Health. Okay. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Barbara. I appreciate it. Healthcare Untold.